Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook or hypercleanstore.com to check out the products. Amelia Island happened, one of the big auctions of the year, probably to me, the biggest Porsche and Ferrari event of the year, usually when it comes to sales. But we also have some pre-war stuff, Duesenbergs, things like that. So it's an all-around great auction if you've never been there. It's a great trip. A lot of fun. Fun to send a car there. We have somebody in a hyper-clean specialist group that shared a car they had on the Concours there. And so I think it's a very telling auction. So let's start out. First of all, it broke a record-breaking auction, $178 million in total sales. Let me kind of start with this. If the stock market is elevated, collector cars usually do pretty well. Now we're seeing an unprecedented run on collector cars, as we know. I can give some reasons of that, you know, in a different episode when we don't have so much to get through. But it, it really has to do with the asset class of cars. There's a lot of people that are starting to look at it as a place to hide money and things like that. But as long as the stock market stays elevated, which it has, I know it's lost a little bit, but it's still a very elevated number you're going to have a good run in collector cars. The other part of this $178 million in, in total auction sales that everyone needs to realize is you had a ton of really, really high quality cars in the auction. So you have people getting rid of top flight inventory, right? An auction, again, you go to Barrett Jackson Scottsdale, you know, the average price is $97,000 for a car. You could find a whole bunch of $25,000 Bentleys in, at Barrett Jackson Scottsdale. At this auction, you're talking about an average sale price of $450,000 or so in that ballpark. You're just talking about a different class of auction when it comes to the money that's going to be exchanging hands. Doesn't make one right, doesn't make one wrong. It means when you see these large numbers at Amelia Island, realize you're dealing with the elite of the elite collector type of cars. When you're talking about Barrett Jackson Scottsdale, you're going to have 2019 Bentleys along with a, a collectible Carrera GT Porsche, right? So it's just a different type of auction. It's not it's not a right and wrong answer. You need to analyze these things uh, as they are, not what you want them to be. There's many people that love muscle cars and Barrett Jackson and Meekum speak to them. That's great. That's not what these auctions are. These are more high-end European type of cars. Uh, obviously, things like pre-war Duesenbergs and stuff like that, those are going to bring huge money. Uh, I think one went up in value like $550,000 in a, in a, in a you know, six-year, seven-year period. I mean, it, it, it's a pretty nuts world at Amelia Island or Pebble Beach or those types of things. The sell-through rate went down. Uh, this is a number I keep my eye on. It's gone down at Barrett. It's going down here at Amelia Island. And here's where you're at. 91% sell-through uh, rate uh, last year. We're at 87% now. So we do see the market cooling. It's not cooling in a, in a numbers way. It's cooling in, uh, hey, man, if you're not putting a great car out there that somebody really, really wants, it's just not going to sell, especially at a place like Amelia Island. 12% of all cars sold broke a million dollars. 
This is big news in the collector car market. It has been for a few years now is just the irrelevance of the $1 million mark. When you broke a million dollars, people used to stand up, cheer, go crazy, bear it, meek them, didn't matter. If you broke a million dollars, it meant something. When you're talking about more than 10% of the cars breaking a million dollars, a million dollars for the millionth time I've said it on here, doesn't mean what it used to mean. Still a big number, don't get me wrong, but a million dollars used to be a special moment. It's not as special now. The top sale was a 1962 250 GT California Spider Ferrari, $18 million. It's a big number. The interesting thing out of Ferrari, Daytonas have taken a, a little bit of a hit. They made a huge run in the 2010s. I think they're just cooling off, but here's an interesting thing. Dinos, which weren't very collectible for a long time. People really, really, really didn't want to buy these things. They, they, they weren't what they, you know... They weren't a Ferrari collector's dream. That's all changed. He had four for sale, two broke records. The value of those cars are up over 50% very quickly. And again, if you've ever driven them, great cars. They were not a collector's dream. That's going to be a story when we get to Porsche here a little bit. Some of the surprises. I like these fun ones. A 2002 Esprit 25th anniversary went for $193,000. We actually put windshield film on one of these not too long ago. Really cool cars, $193,000 experience, not for me. Basically, unless it was a Bond submarine Lotus that you didn't have, uh, you know, big numbers, this broke the Bond numbers, which is a pretty telling story. Here's another one for you. I think a 1953 Carmen Ghia VW, $123,000. Now, here's the interesting thing about this sale. This is probably the best one in the world. So it tells you what you're going to see is you're going to see people follow this through consignment or dealers, and they're going to think my Carmen Ghia is worth $123,000. This may have been the best example in the world. That's how it pulls that $123,000 number because let's be very fair about something not a $123,000 car it's a $123,000 investment when you have probably the best one in the world that is a fact okay that's what you have to remember about the auctions and seeing this type of number because you're like oh Carmen Ghia those are whatever who would want to pay 120 when you have the best one in the world there's going to be value there not going to be a lot of value if you don't have the best one in the world this one probably is Here's a shocking one for me because I actually owned this car at one point. A 1997 Acura Integra Type R. I owned one. Only had 6,000 miles on this one, so let's keep that in mind. Went for $151,000. Let me tell you who's going to be real disappointed with that car, whoever drives it around, because not a great car. I owned one, drove one around, have had them. Look. I was a big Acura fan when they were doing uh, Grand Coupes that were real nice, the Type S Grand Coupe, which was a great two-door car that I've owned. I'm an Acura guy. I, I enjoy those vehicles a lot of my life. Here's what I'm going to tell you. $151,000, again, got to be the best one in the world. So I didn't get word if this was the best one in the world. We'll see. I don't think these cars are going to hold that value forever. I could be completely wrong about this. But I believe these are the cars you'll see jump back to earth, you know, very, very quickly if the market tanks. Because $151,000 for that car, 
I don't know, man. I know it's collectible to people in my age group. That's a car that I drove around. That's a car that when I was taking my driver's test was a big car that that kids owned. Here's where I'm going to tell you. I'm not really certain this is a $151,000 stable market. We'll see. Here we go with the AMG hammers. I shared this. If you guys followed the podcast when that broke a record and went about $500,000 higher than everybody expected to, to a dealer at another auction in Miami, you now have a 1987 hammer went for $775,000 and then a 1991 hammer broke the record that was just set a couple months ago or about a month ago, $885,000. These were regularly seen as $100,000, $200,000, maybe $250,000 cars just a month or so ago. We're not talking about a year ago. We're talking about a month ago. That was the high estimate on these cars. You're now sitting at $800,000, which I think is crazy. But we said at the time, if that reset the market, you're going to see these cars take off. And look, people are looking for those early AMG type of vehicles And here you go. They're now taking off at auction. Here's a surprising thing about Porsche. There's a lot of people that will tell you Porsche's got a ton of, 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 you know, uh, runway to become in the top 25 in sales at every auction. At an auction like Amelia Island, there was only one Porsche that broke the top 25, and it was 24th place. Okay, so Porsche still has a standing, the, the, There's no doubt there's a ton of value in those cars. So don't misunderstand this. It's just when you're talking about the heavy hitters at an auction like this, you're going to be talking Ferrari. You're going to be talking Ferrari. You're going to be talking things like a $4.5 million Duesenberg. You're going to be talking about those types of cars. Porsche's getting there. It's going to be interesting to see if they keep breaking through and get over the million five, three million, four million dollar mark. We're going to see. That's the air-cooled market for you. I'm not sure how stable it is, but it just keeps going up, so you got to ride the wave. Here's the surprise in the Porsche market. So there was all this talk about air-cooled, air-cooled, air-cooled. I had been telling people that really enjoyed Porsche, you should be buying some Porsche 996s. Collectors hated those cars, those water-cooled cars, The looks, everything about them, they were not a collector's car. Here's the interesting thing. They saw a huge bump in this auction. They're the story of the Porsche auction to me. You know, we we know that that, that Porsche had one go for one seven, uh, all those kinds of things. I get all that. Here's the surprise of the Porsche market. 996s were not collector cars, okay? They never were. They never have been. We may have seen that change in this auction. You had one go for $336,000, which I believe was a GT3, and $173,000 on another one. Again, that's the story of Porsche in this auction to me. The reason is because 996s were non-touchable. Those that were true enthusiasts that just want to drive a great vehicle around could get a deal on a 996, that's what they did. But you have a lot of people that despise this era of Porsche Looks like that's all over with. It's pretty interesting to me that we saw really, really big moves out of the water-cooled Porsches here. And again, Porsche is a strong brand. They're going to continue to keep elevated uh, values. People are more drawn to the brand today than ever for understandable reasons. I, 
if I were going to buy a portion now, I would always have bought a 996 because of the undervalue. If we've seen that flip, you may be talking about there aren't very many affordable Porsches anymore. That'd be a big change for the brand because you could always go get a 996 at a deal. Did you see that change? I guess we're going to find out. I guess we're going to find out if this is long-term for the 996, but some big numbers out of the 996. Overall, again, look at the stock market. Collector cars are oftentimes driven by the wealthiest of people and their stock prices and their company or their portfolio. Is If the stock market is strong, which today I still believe it's over 30,000 on the Dow, you're going to have a strong collector car market. Are we all surprised about the length of this going through COVID? Of course we are. Nobody saw a three or four or five year boom here. Okay. Even people that try to tell you they did. You had no idea that this was going to happen, especially going through COVID. So this is where you go with your eyes wide open. We put some phone bids in on some cars for some customers. Nothing panned out. I don't have right now a bunch of collectors looking to unload or to buy massively. They've really taken a step back. Uh, some of them on my recommendation and some just did it naturally. And I think it's just a little bit of worry in the market of, hey, what am I seeing here? The other thing is the collections that we deal with are extremely excited about what they own. We got a big project next week for a, an out-of-country customer down here. We're going to be doing it at a performance shop. We're going to be full-body wrapping a Carrera GT Porsche. Very ultra-rare car. We've already started to dismantle it. We're going to do probably the highest level work we can offer as a shop on PPF. We're not even able to bring this car into the shop. We're going to be doing it at the performance shop that it's at. And at this point in time, probably going to be one of the cooler projects that I'm involved in. And I'll talk a little bit about a little bit more about that next Friday. I want to end today's episode with something a little bit more uplifting than what we've been talking about all the time, business and, you know, getting your things together, get your finances together. I want everybody to kind of do a test for me. I see a lot of negativity online. So do you. But what we don't realize is we're in control of that. You and I are in control of what we see on social media. These algorithms show you what you're interested in. And I saw some drama in the detailing world on TikTok this week, a guy who sells product doing a test that many called BS on. And that just went on and on in the detailing space on TikTok and, and, and funneled over to reels and different things on Instagram. And that was sent to me. That was not something that was on my feed because the last couple of weeks I've kind of done a test for myself. I started liking videos like puppy videos. I started liking videos like, you know, kids doing cool stuff, people doing kind things, really highly motivational people like David Goggins and Jocko Willink and started liking more of those videos after, you know, for the last couple of weeks. And I want to tell you, I turned to my family yesterday, we were eating dinner. And I said, you know, when I go on TikTok, when I go on reels, when I go on those things, after the last two weeks, I have nothing but a positive experience. I don't have anything negative popping up. You control what you see on the internet. And a lot of times we all forget that. If you're seeing a lot of negative news of the world and whatever, it's because that's what you're searching out. These algorithms are showing you what you want to see. And so if all you're seeing is detailing drama, if all you're doing is picking on detailers, is all you're doing is 
you know, saying this guy's videos are stupid and, and, and just negative all the time, you're going to get that in your algorithm. Because let me be clear, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, doesn't matter. They're just want you to stay on the platform. So if you like things, they're going to keep showing them to you. It sounds obvious to say that. It really does. But how many of us, myself included, have really made a concerted effort to like positive things, to get ourselves away from the negative stuff and say, when I get on the internet, I want it to be uplifting and make me happy or smile or laugh. Or I want it to be valuable by learning from some savages that are really positive, get shit done people in the motivational space. It's an interesting question to ask ourselves. And look, man, I go back a couple of weeks ago and think about the things that were popping up on my TikTok. It's not there anymore. I took the negativity out. I took the negative. That doesn't mean I'm blind to it. Okay. So don't get me wrong. I still see things. I get sent things. I have laughs with you guys about things going on around detailing. I had a laugh about this, you know, guy testing a product and maybe not testing the other ones properly, but his properly, which I'll tell you guys all the same thing. Don't go talking about your competitors. Don't go testing your competitor's product. Don't go bashing your local detailer next to you. Doesn't ever work out. This guy kind of found it out the hard way, I think. So I'll say this, make the internet more positive for yourself. Take this next couple of weeks, do the challenge with me. I think you'll find yourself a little happier. I'm definitely a lot happier when I get on and I see dogs doing cool things, or I see, you know, kids doing funny things, or I see, uh, you know, somebody doing positive in their area, helping a person down and out. I made a concerted effort over the last couple of weeks. I challenge you to do the same. Guys, have a great week. We'll come back with the Carrera GT project. Again, those values up over $2.5 million. It's going to be a cool project here for VR. We'll try to share it in the HyperClean Specialist Group. You guys have a great weekend, a great week. Talk to you next time.